0: Welcome to the show where we unearth new ways of looking at ever-evolving life around the world, seen from a number of different industries, cultures, and backgrounds. But there's one thing that unites everyone I speak to. They all want to do their part to make the world better in their own unique ways. It's a uniting passion. Whether they're from the commercial world, third sector, or public sector, from the global north or the global south, my name is Philippa White, and welcome to Tie Unearth. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Thai Unearthed. Today, we're speaking with Ali Alvarez, a friend of mine who I met in London many moons ago while both of us were working in Adland. She's Mexican-born, LA-raised, and London-moulded. And she's had an incredible path. She started as a professional horse jumper and then went on to build a creative career in advertising and filmmaking, working as a creative at Mother and Fallon, and then executive creative director and partner at Brooklyn Brothers. Her work has been recognized at Cannes, D-N-A-D, MTV Music Awards, the Webbies, the Emmys, the British Museum, and film festivals around the world. But then one day, she almost lost it all from a traumatic brain injury in a horse riding accident. She had to relearn everything and then healed herself by making an award-winning documentary. She's now back in the world of advertising as Chief Creative Officer of the LA Shop Omelette. This is a story of resilience, challenging the system, fighting against convention and showing where sheer determination can take you. And that love conquers all. Ali is a true inspiration and I can't wait for you to have a chance to hear her story. So grab that favorite beverage or throw on those running shoes and here is my lovely friend Ali. Hi Ali, it is so nice to have you with (laughs) us and we
1: finally made it happen. We did, thank you for being patient. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Life is busy, I know life is busy and you've obviously just done a big move so tell our listeners where are you right now yeah i'm in la life is
1: busy but i'm trying not to keep i'm trying not to be busy i hate that word but we just moved from london to la where i grew up been in london 20 years 20 years a long time Um, yeah and so i've moved back to la after 20 years away to be closer to my father i grew up here mostly like from the age of six to 25 so weirdly had been in london the same amount of time as i'd been
0: in here so weird isn't it yeah not it's sure. funny i think your move to london was similar to the time that i moved to london but i've now been in brazil also i think now longer than i've lived anywhere it's weird when that happens when you kind of make that switch and you're like mm. oh my god that's crazy particularly when you're somebody who's moved around yeah and-, and then you go where's where's home right and that's the first thing everyone asks you like
1: where's home and you're like, where, oh. where are you
0: from I don't know. I don't know. totally i have that too So, sitting with Frida in the background, I can see... uh, Frida dog. Frida dog. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So, tell us about you, your background, and what you do. What's your story? What do I do? do? It's a very LA question. It is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, let's have a martini. What do you do?
1: (laughs) At the moment, I'm working as... Here's a very... Fancy title. At the moment, I'm working as CCO, so Chief Creative Officer at a little independent agency here in L.A. called Omelette. Yeah. There are about 50 people. I've been in the advertising world for as long as I was in London. So 20 years I have worked in the business in various guises, as you know, different chapters. Yeah. Before that, I was a professional horse rider. Oh my gosh. I didn't actually know you were a professional <laughs> yeah, horse rider. Yeah, this is why when we talk about the accident, it's, it's important because it's I a... used to ride horses professionally. I used to show jump. I used to get paid to ride and jump horses around big fences and like train other people. And I, do, I did that from like 11 to 22. I turned professional, semi-pro at 16, professional at 18, did it for like four years and then decided my childhood like thing became a job and it really ruined it for me to be honest so yeah. then I got into
0: advertising oh my yeah. gosh that is an important point and I can't believe how long I've known you and I actually didn't know that important bit of information mm-hmm. okay maybe coming on to that mm-hmm. um no let's just back up a bit let's talk about the butterfly film because um, that started before the accident didn't it
1: yeah it, it kind of yeah it kind of did so when I was 30 I had a sabbatical from work I took a month off And I'm and i such a traveler, right? I'm used to moving everywhere. But this month off, I decided I would like challenge myself, be still and be in one place and be in the country where I was born, which was Mexico. So I rented this little house in the mountains of Mexico for a month. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) And I met these cowboys. I made some amazing friends. I made some really amazing horse riding friends. And at the same time, saw the most incredible visual thing I've ever seen, which is the monarch butterfly migration, which goes from Canada all the way Ends up in Mexico. At that time, the population was huge, and it was like 300 million butterflies. Like come to this one mountain range in Mexico. The, the skies are like orange, and you hear the butterfly wings, and it's amazing. It was absolutely one of the most amazing things i would ever seen. And I just started researching it, and it turned into this documentary idea that I wanted to make. But in typical people that work in advertising, always have these ideas, and they never get around to them. So I was talking about them for ages and ages and ages, these butterflies, these butterflies. And I found this beautiful connection that when they get to Mexico is during Day of the Dead. And it's the souls of your ancestry that come to see you every year. And then when I started researching that, which I thought was just incredible, I found all these stories of of people who had seen these butterflies when someone had passed away. The comfort that, that that brought to them and like nature kind of helping you through the grief process. I started researching that and found all these stories of people who had seen these butterflies when someone had passed away. A family that lost a son, a family that lost a son, and um, on the day of his funeral, this butterfly, this monarch that he'd been raising, hatched on the day of his funeral. This detective in New York City who was working on the, the site of um, Ground Zero, 9-11, and his job was to find the black box, clear out the bodies, and... And one day he was digging on site and like hundreds of these butterflies came out of the rubble <laughs> on on the site. It Became such a powerful story that I wanted to tell. But um it took like a really big moment in my life to kind of make the time to make to do it. What was that catalyst for you to do it? So basically I'd been talking and talking, and talking about it. And then um one day it was a really bad accident. It was a really bad horse riding accident. That's why the The riding information is important because all my, you know, all my childhood, I grew up riding. Of course, I fell off. I I know, I never broke anything. I never got really hurt. And then this one Saturday, what was it? Sunday? Sunday. I went out riding, and the horse slipped. And and this was in. Sorry, just really quickly. This was in
0: London, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: So we're in London. I was doing a. You know, I would ride every weekend. I would. I did a little horse share. I went out riding with a friend, and apparently. The horse slipped and I came off and I, I hit my head, but I got a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> I hit it. I guess I hit it really hard. I, I don't remember it. So I basically yeah. lost my memory for two weeks. I don't remember falling off the horse. I don't remember being ambulanced to the hospital. I don't remember all the tests. I don't remember this hotel room uh hotel room. Hospital room room. (laughs) I was there for a month. So it seemed (laughs) it seemed like a hotel room. I was in the hospital for a month. I lost all the ability on my right side to move. I couldn't write, I couldn't walk, I had to learn all those things again. Um So crazy. I spoke Spanish for about a week. Um I didn't (laughs) know they would ask me the same questions every day and like I didn't I couldn't retain the information. They would ask me what year it was and I'd say it was like eighteen twelve or 2013, or 1987. Like, I didn't have a place a in time where I was. But then it, it's so, the crazy God, is crazy telling the story. I got my memory back on the day of my wife's birthday.
0: <laughs> so That's every, right. I remember her posting about this. This yeah. is what's so crazy. Yeah.
1: My dad My dad had come from LA to be with me in London and take care of me, or be with me at the hospital. I think the night before, I don't remember, but the night before, apparently he said, tomorrow's Verity's birthday. And then the next day he said, do you know what day today is? And I said, yeah, it's Verity's birthday. And like that, like triggered everything. Like I remember. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. I remember everything from that point forward. I don't remember the two weeks
0: before, but I remember everything from that point forward. Really? Um, So you remember seeing your dad beside you, I guess, at the hospital. You remember, you don't remember the day before? No. No. Isn't that funny? Uh,
1: Verity walked in. I sang her happy birthday. I remember all the doctors. She cried, and- obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Yeah, it was a pretty big moment. Um, but then, yeah, that was, that was a huge moment. And then there was another big moment. So I finally went home a couple weeks later to let me go home. And when I got home, I was wait a minute. I remember something. I was like, I remember I remember the morning of the accident. I was in my spare room filming myself for Kickstarter. To, oh my to raise money to try and start this film that I'd been wanging on about for seven years. <laughs> and I was like, I remember everything. Like, I remember the white leather chair I was sitting in. I remember there was a map of Mexico on the wall behind me. I remember the camera on the tripod. I can describe it to you perfectly. Like, the camera on the tripod. I remember everything about that. And the dog coming in and out of frame and like having to put her in the back room and then i don't remember turning off the camera i don't remember going to the stables i don't remember falling off i don't remember anything from there if my memory remembers wanting to make this film i have to try and make this film so that was the catalyst really that wow. uh yeah just i guess i guess listening to your body <laughs> literally if that was the one thing my head held on to that day i was like i'm gonna make this the priority.
0: Yeah. And for our listeners, just because I think it's interesting to close the circle on the film, you
1: did make the film, didn't you? I did make the film. I, I rehabbed making that film as a creative person. I guess it was the creative project that got me back on my feet. I literally, yeah. I directed it and produced it. And it took me three years. I basically, I had some shares in the, in the company, in the agency that I was working at at the time. And they bought the shares back and it gave me money to just live for three years and make this film and get better. Literally went from, I mean, the first shoot of this film, which was eight months after the accident, I, I could only go film for like an hour, and then I was exhausted. I remember, I I
0: remember you walking to even go down, because I remember m- meeting with you once you were at home, and even just walking to the end of the road and back was mm. a marathon for you. Mm, totally,
1: yeah. yeah. By the end of making this film, I was like hiking up mountains in Mexico. I had to ride horses up this mountain in Mexico. <gasps> Talk <laughs> about get back on the horse again. Oh, <laughs> my
0: God.
1: Uh, with like four bananas and a backpack and like <sighs> out all day filming. and You know, it was incredible. And I got, yeah, I got better making it. Got my memory, back, you know, my editing skills, my storytelling skills, my focus, literally. And then my, my physical uh, stamina. Yeah, Like, yeah, I just
0: got better at making this beautiful art project, this beautiful film. Isn't that incredible? And you showed it at some festivals, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I got into some festivals. It won Best Human and Wildlife Interaction at the International Wildlife Film Festival, which is like, wow, that's yeah, it's really beautiful. I'm really proud of that one because it's up again. You know, that's the kind of festival that like BBC enters planet Earth into and stuff
0: like that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Pretty good, pretty nice of them to, to go, you know what? That was the best example of humans and nature getting along. it's yeah, such a
0: compliment. It's a beautiful insight. I mean, for anyone, you know, it's funny, isn't it? So especially in the creative world, like you, if you're creative, you just or anyone who just likes creative stuff, it's, you know, one is the being in the in Mexico, seeing the butterflies, seeing that as an awe inspiring, just spectacle. Mm. but what makes it is that connection with day of the dead and then those beautiful insights with everyone that's what just it's such an incredible insight to humans around the world actually but obviously then the day of the dead and that connection that many of the mexicans yeah the mexican connection right yeah yeah beautiful yeah it really really is. is beautiful yeah you know this is just such a beautiful example of love conquering all kind of having your, you know, focus and love for this film and love for life and not giving up and just persevering in the face of a pretty difficult moment. And obviously, Verity's birthday and your memory coming back. And I just, I, I would like to touch on your family because I just find we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording, you know, your family is so inspiring. And an example of how love can transcend adversity, challenges, the status quo. And for all of the reasons that we've just talked about, in more ways than one, like the power of challenging the system and fighting against convention and like your sheer determination to follow <laughs> your heart. And I just wonder, because for our listeners, I think many people have faced challenges, however big or small, or or they might be wanting to follow their heart in a way that they just haven't managed to sort of pluck up the courage, whatever that might be. And I just wonder from the accident, from the Butterfly film, from just your personal life, are there any learnings that you can share with our listeners if they're facing challenges, whatever those might be? Hmm.
1: I guess I the context of some of what you said, I guess for the listeners too. You know, I'm married to a woman, we have, a beautiful boy. We've managed to create this little family. You know, we've lived in a really progressive city like London, and that's important to be able to be somewhere where you can be yourself and love who you want to love and create the life you want to create. I know a lot of people don't have those options. I think wherever you are, and you know whatever challenge there is, I would say I guess two things that have gotten me that I've had a lot of. A lot of challenges from my mom dying when i was young to everything we just talked about <laughs> like mm-hmm. and i guess it's the things that have t- well three things that get me together like the people even if it's a tiny three or four people two people one person that believes in you that can support you like that you can be close to you know don't ever shut the world out like however big or small your world can be and then i guess number two i would say is it's just being true to yourself and i think that's what people. Find hard and I think mm-hmm. somehow I've maybe my parents raised me to really put, be true to myself I don't know how I've got that innate sense of I just trust my gut Do you know I mean mm-hmm. and when it's not right my gut tells me it's not right <laughs> you know I, and probably because I'm like super anxious <laughs> when I'm not anxious everything I'm listening to myself and I'm doing things in the way that feels good for me Do you know what I mean and the minute it's off I'm just eaten up by anxiety. So (laughs) listen to that, you know, like listen to that. And then for me, like nature is a huge, huge friend in life. The horses are what got me through. My mother dying, I threw myself into horse riding. That's all I did was at the stables, be at the stables. And then when I moved to London, I didn't really have a horse, but got a dog, spent as much time as I could outside, took my dog everywhere with me, brought it to the office, you know. I was always I going, remember, yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. that girl with the dog in Soho, like, in Lo- before London had a lot of dogs, I feel like, yeah, she was always there. Nature just always reminds me of being so small, right? We're so small. In this picture this life picture and so i guess it puts things in perspective yeah yeah that's really good that's really nice advice who inspires you Allie? my stepmother inspires me she's one of the most inspirational my stepmother and my aunt in mexico but they're both women in their 80s 81 both of them my mm-hmm. stepmother uh, has parkinson's disease and she manages it really well she she started boxing at age 75. <laughs> like with Parkinson's, she would go boxing 3 times a week and then COVID hit and she her spine kind of disintegrated and she had this like massive back surgery. They like rebuilt her whole spine out of like metal. And um, most people would be like, right, I'm in a wheelchair now. You know, I've got Parkinson." No, she got herself back to the gym, boxing again. She's 81. Wow, that's incredible. Back at the gym, boxing three times a week. She's amazing. She's amazing. She she was an accountant all her life. She retired at whatever age, 65, 70. And then she's become this quilter and a creative person. And just so inspiring to see someone that can redefine themselves and keeps themselves fit and will not let something like Parkinson's or age define them. It's so inspiring.
0: It's a bit like you. I mean, <laughs> it's a bit like you having faced a real challenge and rather than not letting it define you, uh, you rose to the challenge, right? And yeah. You become a victim. Yeah, I guess so. That was never really
1: an option. I don't really, didn't even consider it to be an option.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. So you mentioned the company that bought your shares back and that allowed you to live for three years and make your film. So that was the Brooklyn Brothers, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And so when you were at the Brooklyn Brothers, mm. uh, you and I think Callie was there. So Carolyn yeah. Oliver, Joseph Mann from Blink. Uh, productions and Bart Yates obviously running the show you guys came together and you created which is I mean it still is it's absolutely insane that that's even something that was made for us this incredible Thai film which is this stop frame animation piece yeah. which is on YouTube it's on our site I'm pretty sure it's on our site I mean it's it's on my LinkedIn it is beautiful I remember Bart telling me that the guy who did the animation of the actual not the animation animation because that was Joseph Mann but the the animation of the characters Mm -hmm. was the same guy that did shrek animation of the actual characters like (laughs) with them talking like i mean this the 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 level of detail of this film is incredible but you know you as the you know you and callie i guess were the creatives that wrote the script and just honed that you i mean the strategy is so totally on it's still on it's unbelievable Mm. and i just would love to know you know why Did you do this at the time, pro bono, for Thai? Like, what was it that resonated with you? I can't speak for Callie, but I'm sure she would agree.
1: Like, you have to believe in things, right? And you have to believe in people and you have to use the skills that you have for good, I think. And then you sort of of embody that, right? So that's the whole purpose of Thai, is to use creative advertising skills to help others in other countries. And how could we not help you do that? You know, there's pockets of time where you, you make the time. <laughs> there's there's moments, moments in your career where you make the time to apply your skills. And you can do that in a small way, like making a little film for you, or you can do it in a big way as a signing up for time and, and being a part of it. Or you can decide you'd start a mentoring program or I think you have to give back. You have to give back. So that was just our little teeny tiny contribution. And, and I think you were you just starting out then?
0: Yeah, like we yeah. were, I think that was I mean, that was a good few years ago now. That was yeah. I remember we went to ta uh, to Cannes. And that would have been probably, I think Bia was just born so it was sort of 2010. I think. I mean, <laughs> a long like twelve <laughs> years ago. You know, it was a long time. But it's just amazing because it's such a beautiful piece of work that is still so relevant today. Uh, we've expanded from just working with ad agencies. We now work with, you know, financial institutions and mm. you know other big corporate clients that were starting to kind of get involved. So, I mean, it's growing from just Calm's skills, which is why, you know, the film is very much just focused on calms if it wasn't it would it would just be like the perfect, perfect. thing forever
1: this film and but we trendy. have to help
0: each other like you have to help people yeah. get their ideas off the ground do you
1: it's like we all have yeah. to especially women like we've got to have each other's back you totally. gotta we gotta help get these things done and made and into the world and yeah i don't know it's so important if we don't help each other i want to get away from that competitive world where mm-hmm. it's like yeah even though you're an entrepreneur and like you know you this is your livelihood you're still one person trying to get it done at the end of the day you know and anything people can do to help you make it happen it's important people power man people power yeah
0: people power i mean i just i'm still so grateful to the whole to everyone who just helped i mean kath from the editing at marshall marshall street i think at the time like yeah so i mean there were just so many people that really just kind of got stuck in and it but it does make me think of where the world is going. And I feel like these are the kind of conversations that we're having more and more. I felt tied back when we started in 2007, 2000. Yeah, 2007 was our first ever program. You know, this talk of purpose, this talk of human centeredness in companies like that wasn't really something we talked about. And I would no. say that the business world was more competitive and certainly just how you were saying when we started talking, you know, you you don't want to be super busy. You need to carve out time for your family, obviously, mm. for your little boy, for your wife. That's actually what matters in this world, right? And we, I think anyone who's working for a company also feels that way. And the way that the world is going now is recognizing That it's about citizens, it's about community, it's about collaboration. It's not about competition and you know make as much money as you possibly can at the expense of the people that are working with us. And the world is changing. And I think that it's yeah, it's it's interesting what you're talking about because I just think that's where so many people are feeling in the workplace how they're feeling. Sorry, in the workplace and actually how companies I think just need to be more aware of that. You know they do. The tide is the tide is turning. I hope it is. I
1: really hope it is. I'm kinda of in it at the moment, so it's hard to tell.
0: <laughs> you are in
1: it. You but, um, are in it. I hope you're you are. In it.
0: It. I really do. And you can help be a driver of that, I mean, obviously running the show, right? I try. Um, and you know what's important and you showing an example is so important which is also back to you know what we're talking about healthy families and I just I mentioned this also just because I just you know you're such a beautiful example of what love is and what a healthy loving family is it's about love and it's about mm. being that structure and that stable upbringing for your little boy and that comes in the form of love and structure and limits and and that can take many forms you know and I think it's the same with work you know as the person who's running the show if you carve out your time and you have lunch breaks and you have your holidays and you're like guys this is what's important and you need to do this too otherwise we're not going to have a healthy department right yeah Um, that's what I think by example
1: yeah, I try to do that. You know, sometimes I get frustrated that I'm, I'm not doing enough because there's so many people with initiatives and foundations and hashtags. <laughs> and I always, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. But, you know, like I do, I try to do it in my way. And I try to do yeah. it in the way that I work and the way that I run the department and the way that, I yeah, I take lunch breaks. I go pick up my kid three times a week. I drop him off every morning. I'm at the dinner table for the most part five days a week at 6 p.m. You know, I might have to go back because I am a bit of a control freak. <laughs> I might go back after bedtime. I don't have to most of the time, but um, yeah. we can live like that and work in this business. Um, I, th- I think it's changing.
0: And i yeah, I think it's changing. Do you see it changing? I see a lot of, the, and this is actually the purpose of this podcast, actually, because just very, very quickly, you mentioned, I don't know if I'm doing enough. And actually the purpose of this podcast is just, showing in so many different ways in everybody's lives how we can do our part, whatever that form takes. And you can own that in your own way. And it can be however that looks. That's why I was super excited to talk to you because I think that the way that simply how you're living your life and also just as an example of someone who's persevered and is super resilient and really kind of fought in the face of extreme adversity for not succumbing to a serious brain injury and fighting being a happy individual in your love life and family Mm. life and you know like i just think that that's huge it's huge do i see things changing yeah i do actually i think that the conversations are certainly there and i think it needs to start with people recognizing it as being a thing Mm. so just talking about human-centered organizations flexible working more women in the workforce. What does that mean? You know, there's a lot of articles that I write actually around this and taking stats. And the more we talk about this in whatever form that takes, then I do feel that I are people quick to respond. Some companies they are based now on that. So mm-hmm. uh, David Webster, I spoke to, he used to be at BBH and Leo Burnett, actually, he's now in Singapore, but he started up an uh, advertising agency that doesn't even have a Office, it's all online, and they mm. have people literally all over the world, and you don't have to be based anywhere. And that is kind of based on that thinking of we need more women in the workforce, we need flexible working, you can work anywhere. Yes, it is possible, yes, this is important for people. And I, you know, I think it's just more and more of these people talking about it that culture starts to shift. You know, mm. I think the key really though, and this is one thing, I'm gonna have a Thai event in November and in London and it's based on a celebration of doing. And for me, there's a lot of talk about a lot of these things, be it impact from the private sector, you know, ESGs and people wanting to show that they're doing good, but it's really just a box ticking exercise versus Mm -hmm. actually doing something Mm -hmm. or talking about being, you know, flexible working place, but not actually doing that or talking about human you know, a more human-centered environment. And yes, we know what's important. We can talk a lot about it, but actually yeah. the reality is, you know, what is the reality? And I I just think there's, you know, the time is now for a lot of this stuff and it's just doing it, right? Yeah, I hope that
1: that shifts. That If everyone just did that, you know, you don't have to set up. <laughs> you don't have to set up a foundation. You don't have to get all crazy on social media talking about it. Do it.
0: Yeah, Do exactly. it in your life. Set yeah. those
1: boundaries. Like, show your team, like, what matters and, um, and then it'll start to shift, yeah.
0: I agree. So that's how I see it. And I do think that things are shifting and I think just even the fact that Tai is gaining momentum hmm. is a sign that things are shifting, you know, this is something that's important to people. So yeah. Now, what haven't I asked you that you'd like to tell our listeners as we wrap up?
1: Everything will be all right in the end, if it's not all right, it's not the end. <laughs> That's really nice. I haven't heard that. Who says that? Have you not heard that? No. (laughs) I don't know who said that. (laughs) I'll find out. I'll find out. I'll find out. Especially when you're like going through something and it just feels totally hard and awful. You know, it will be okay. It will be okay. And, you know, and I can say this, you know, I lost my mom when I was young. I think that's part of. Why have this resilience? That somehow it will be okay. If it's not, it's not. It's not. You're not done with it yet. <laughs> it's not yeah. the end, because when it's the end, like it will be okay. And um, that's just yeah. I tell
0: myself that many times a week. Many. I think it's really lovely as well. Just what you said about find your allies. Find the people that can. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are going through a difficult time. Whoever that person is that can kind of just be that support, hold on to them, show them love, embrace it. And I also just think a lot of us feel like we have to do things alone, almost we have to fight it ourselves. And no one does anything big alone, actually, no one. You need a community, you need other people to help you. Anyone who's massive, you know, it's been a team that's helped get them there. Mm -hmm. And I think also it's interesting, even just reflecting on some of our most recent Thai programs that we've had, it's interesting how many people struggle with vulnerability Mm. and they struggle with asking for help Mm. or asking questions. Uh, And that's actually the whole point of Thai. The whole point is just, you know, taking people out of their comfort zones, getting them to work in different ways. Part of it, of course, is making the world a better place. But I would say that that's almost secondary. It's actually Mm. the force of taking people into a different world and working in a completely different way and how that just helps you see yourself in the world in a in a different you know through a different lens and it's just really interesting how when people are pushed out of their comfort zones and suddenly stretched in ways that they haven't been stretched before you know they really struggle and the only way that you can really find the answers to a lot of these challenges are by asking questions and being open to the fact that you don't know the answers and trying to find the answers. And I think when we're going through a difficult time, showing vulnerability and asking for help isn't yeah. a weakness, it's a strength. Yeah, um, it's hard that, isn't it? It's like, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely, until
1: my accident was trying to do it all on my own, no, you know, you you're right you never do it all on your own one man band creative got so far in my career so early on but it was like then i just completely had to stop when i had that accident and like people had to help me walk to the bathroom do you know what i mean (laughs) and get in the shower and like help me get out of the shower and like that was weeks of that and it's like all of a sudden had to rely on people and um i'm trying not to forget those things now that i'm more able because that was a big lesson that that taught me you're right yeah yeah a lot of people out there that want to help that can help um i mean you can't do anything alone you really can't so
0: yeah and i think this is true in everything health you know projects missions Mm. whatever it might be we're not an island and i think that's just comes back to where this world is going it's not competition it's not i i can conquer all it's kind Mm. of how can we collaborate how can we work together how can you know, you said, you know, it so beautiful that you and you're like, we have to help each other. Thai mm. was a great idea or is a great idea. Like at the time we really wanted to just make it work. We wanted to help. And I just, mm. I'm so grateful to that. But it's just another example of, you know that was a huge stepping stone for Thai having something like that and that credibility. And suddenly we could showcase you know, just look at this. We've got this. This is what it's all about. And people are like, oh, that's an amazing film. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Like, yes, I know. You know, people <laughs> believe in us. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, Ali, thank oh. you for joining us. It was really beautiful to just talk through just your approach to life, and you're such an inspiration. You've got such an amazing story. Thank um, you. Yeah, I love you and Verity loads and hopefully oh. one day I get to meet Sunny. So
1: oh, I can't believe you haven't met him. This is the thing about social media, right? It's like you feel you know, like you feel a little lawn like, boy. But um you'll meet yeah, him one day. You'll meet I him will. will.
0: Oh. I will. Thank well, you. Well love to Verity and I'm sure yeah. at some point she will listen to this. So hi Verity. I used to work with <laughs> Verity as well. So. we'll speak soon. All right, you. Thanks, Philippa. Thank Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, this is Philippa again. I hope you enjoyed listening. Now this is your chance to get involved with Thai. If you work in the commercial world, whatever your profession, your position, or your experience, then Thai could be for you. You may have been in business for decades, but have always felt there's another way. Or you may just have a few years experience, but want to do more. Equally, if you want to create game-changing employees and see your company impact the world, we've got you covered. Thai has never been more necessary than right now and you can be a part of it. Reach out to me at philippa at and I can tell you more. Or join the Thai Accelerator info session for more information. apply.thaiaccelerator.com Better leaders, better companies, better world. I'm your host, Philippa White. This podcast has been co-produced by Berna Vieira and me, music by Berna Vieira, and artwork by Kelps Vahais. I hope we'll meet again soon.